down tonight. I'm feeling all it right. It did the bop, 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 bop countdown again. We we started from scratch. We're supposed to be, aren't we? I know, but you remember how it used to be set to not do that weird burp, burp, burp countdown? I gotcha. it just did it again. And then our names aren't up there. It's like we got wiped from the memory. Of this it's like he studio. doesn't even care about Like, what are we paying? No, no, he's going to no, hear we, this. You need to stop to it and delete it no. right now. We got to just start over. No. He listens. I know. Eric And Eric knows Eric, we appreciate so it. We're sorry. just making jokes. We really appreciate all that you do. I'll never make a joke again. She's going to make jokes again, but I'll turn off the recording. Just kidding. I'll keep it going. Scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show. And not yours. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, stop. Go, go back. back to the beginning. Start it from the beginning. Episode one, Grumble Formed in My Mouth a Grumble little bit. Formed. This is one of those, you know, like continuity wise, like you're going to want to watch it in order. You're going to want to follow along. There is a through in. line for our show. And that through line is our lives, Sarah. Oh, I was going to make a joke about farts, but. Yes, our lives. I mean, it makes a through line through your intestines and out your butthole. Hmm. But then it's over. It's got to come back again. Back, back, back again. No, there's just always more. There's always more farts. There's always more through line. Like someday there will be more. You know, there's always going to. It's never going to stop. There's always going to be farts. There's always going to be through line. That's how the through line. Is. So you want to go. You want to go back to the beginning start of the farts. From the beginning. Into the mouth, go through the esophagus, go through the tummy, go through the guts, go through the intestines, come mm-hmm. out of the sphincters, the anus. Then go into the mouth of the person who's been sewed to your... <laughs> no! What? No, that's not where we were going? We weren't going for an infinite human was, centipede thing? See, I was going to say, oh, is that, our, is that our niche market? Our is that through our, line our is a human centipede. Just, it's just huh. one long human centipede. Huh. And that's all. But Joke's on us. We thought we had like... 15 fans but they're all just sewn ass to mouth (laughs) go back start from the beginning (laughs) figure out how we got here i don't know because we we don't even know how we got here let us know once you catch up welcome back thank you so much what'd you think did you like it do you like us don't answer that man we've got some cool people that like us we do we have we do have cool people who like us way cooler than us we're thankful for you. Tell your friends. Tell your cool friends. Because I assume if you're cool, you have cool friends. Have cool friends. <laughs> no, yeah. Th- thanks for listening. Yeah. We also have a show coming up. We do on May 14th. May it's a Saturday 14th. at West Laurel Hill Cemetery. We did a Shakespeare spoof there last year. Mm-hmm. And guess what, baby? Back, back, back again. Back, back, back again. Just like the Lord who has risen today. Uh, we're, recording we're recording on, on Easter, Easter. Uh, in case that was weird for anyone or anyone who doesn't celebrate Easter on this day. Uh, today is the day that the Lord has made. We will <laughs> rejoice and be glad in it. He has risen. Why are you laughing? 
<laughs> uh, because I'm supposed to be glad in it. We're and not, like, yeah, I like, am we're not, not super, glad We're not super it. into that. But we are recording today and it is Easter Sunday and we are going to enjoy a nice turkey ham dinner. I already had a peep today. So. Angela. Um, there's I don't a, want to there's hear a real peep, out peep out of you. show uh, down there with all the peeps on That's the for you, Eric. That's are Eric's you still joke. listening? I want to make it very clear. I told Eric I wasn't going to steal that joke. You here, just did. But here at the dinner party, I was like, as everybody comes in, I'm going to let you tell that joke because it's yours. But he's not on the show. I I told the joke on the show, but I'm giving him credit for it. This was Eric's joke. Thank you, Eric. About the peep show. I, I thought it was listening. such a good joke. I was like, make sure you tell that joke to everybody who comes in today. So yes, today's Easter Sunday and we are recording uh, and we are not going to be talking about Jesus but any more than what we already are. But we have a show coming up in a About, yeah, Shakespeare. It is called... Beth. Mm, Beth, please. Mm, Beth, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Macbeth spoof. It's directed by our Don't good say friend, it. Angela. We're not in a theater. Oh, my God. The recording stopped. Stop it. <laughs> uh, everyone, every time people are like, don't say it. I'm like, it's not. You're not supposed to say Macbeth ever. It's, oh, my God. She did it again. Macbeth in the theater. Every place is a theater if you're a real God artist. damn it. <laughs> When you're an actor, we're every performing room right is a now. Theater. This is a theater. Mm, Beth, May 14th. There are two times, but two I don't know either of them off the top of my head. I think it's 6.30 and 8 o'clock. You know what? I could look right now and you could cut the space in between. We have three performances. No. Mm-mm. Got cut. It's only two. That's wrong. I promise you it's wrong. I We can call her up here right now. We can call her and put her on air to tell you it's only two performances. We have, I'll FaceTime her. We have two performances of Beth. The show times are 6.45 and 8 p.m. I was close. Or is it 5.30 and 8 p.m.? It's not 5.30. That's the one that got cut. We didn't cut yeah. the middle one? Yeah. I'm okay. pretty, I'm almost positive on that. I know one of them got cut. It's only two. We have two show times that day at 6.45 and 8 p.m. And there's a rain date of May 15th. So if it rains on Saturday, May 14th, we will instead be performing on Sunday, May 15th. And if it rains both days, I don't fucking know what to tell you. <laughs> Uh, we're going to blame Blackers. it on Stephanie saying Blackers. Mackers over and over again. Um, Mackers, get out. You haven't heard that the variation? The Scottish play. No, I've never heard it called Mackers. Mackers. I hate it. Oh, I like it a lot. <sighs> anyway. You can, oh, okay. You can say Macbeth. <laughs> oh, my God. The light fixture just <laughs> fell out of the ceiling. It. Wow, Stephanie. It's only bad luck to say it in a theater. And if you didn't know that, Every you're not a, a theater, theater person. And that's okay. You don't have to be a theater person. That's n- probably not why. You don't listen to us because we're theater people. You listen to us because you enjoy the content that we give you after we talk all this shit about whatever it is we're doing. Or you had some friend who said you have to you listen have to this to listen, show. And, and you're you still like, haven't I'm not turned friends it off. with them anymore. You're like, why am I you're listening? Like, or the person in front of you in the centipede was you know what's great about a human centipede situation, though? <laughs> no, there's nothing great about a human centipede situation. It's so many different sets of hands to hit the like and subscribe button on different <laughs> accounts. 
what's so great about a human sympathy <laughs> situation is you're never alone, you know? <laughs> you're never wondering where your next meal is coming no! from. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I quit. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice in it. I just have the worst questions. Like, I just thought, like, how would you crucify I imagine it would look like train tracks. Well, see, and I imagine that t- I thought about like, you know, the Stussy S that people used to always draw yes. with the three yes. of the six but lines. But how do you do I that? used to draw like chains of those and I just imagined that, but it was like instead of an S, it's T's because it's crosses. <laughs> just, I don't know. It would be a skyscraper. I don't know. I don't want to talk about human centipedes anymore. You brought it up. I don't want to talk about human centipedes anymore. <laughs> Ever again. Ever again, please don't ever bring them up in my presence. When are you going to do that movie for I Seen Tit? Never. I will <laughs> never watch that movie. What about number Did two? I, didn't I tell you? I know I told you about how the trailer made me cry, right? I uh, know I told you that story. You might have. It was so it was at I a mean, time. I mean, it is bad. Okay, I'll tell you this and then we're going to move into our actual okay, show. Okay, yes, you're right. So there the was a coming. time when uh, I was in college with Greg. Me and Greg were roommates. And the, there was a really popular trend at the time of, like, fake movie trailers. And so there were trailers for, like, movies that weren't yes. real. But, like, the trailer itself was, like, really great. And there was one that was, like, a Weird Al biopic, which they are actually making a Weird Al biopic now. But there was a Weird Al biopic that had, like, Aaron Paul as Weird Al and, like, Olivia Wilde was Madonna. And it was, okay. like, this hard dramatic. But it was... A fake trailer fake, for this yes. like hard, gritty, weird Al biopic. Gotcha. Then there was like a horror movie one called Gobstopper, where it was like the Willy Wonka factory is like shut down, but now it's like they still live there and the Oompa Loompas are cannibals and Willy Wonka is scary and he's a bad guy and Willy Wonka was played by Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. So we were really into these fake movie trailers, right? Gotcha. So we'd send them to each other all the time. And with no context, Greg sent me this trailer, and I'm in my head thinking, like, fake. oh, it's going to be one of these goofy, like, fake movie trailers. Oh, no. And it was the trailer for You weren't speed. ready. And I was not ready. And I started watching it, and at first I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, like, the further it went, I was, like, really upset. Like, <laughs> it genuinely made me cry. And it he was- sent it with zero context. With zero like, context. No words, like, just there was no trailer. Right. It was just a trailer. And I was like, ooh, fake movie trailer. Like, we love these. Uh, yeah, and it really upset me for, like, a long time. And yeah. I will never, ever watch that movie. Ever. Ugh. I can't. Like, I mean, I've read the Wikipedia. No. I, don't I can't believe they made a second one. The They've made three. Wait, what? At least three of them. What? And I think it's the third one that's supposed to be like the nastiest because the idea is How that does it get nastier? That the person was inspired by... That's not, of course, a real... Again, it's fake. Yeah. But the third one is like the person was inspired by the movie. But in the first movie, like he was like a surgeon. So it was at least like done surgically well and this is like an amateur human centipede sewer 
Yeah, I don't want to talk. Why are we still? <laughs> I want to be done. I want to be done. How long have we been talking about this? I don't know because I don't know I don't how know, to measure time on this thing. thing. I have no idea. Right. Instead, it's not giving us how long it is in time. No idea. We're no 386 beats measures into this song. I hate it. So, hey, Sarah. <laughs> hey, Stephanie. Hey, hey Leslie. Leslie! Ow. What did you just hurt I yourself? Hit my hands like this. I was gonna say Leslie's gonna go. Stop Because <laughs> his mouth is full of your butthole. <laughs> He's been so too. It, it could be yours if you wanted. We're I don't. <laughs> y'all, y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? She screamed at me. I She's so mad. This is the day that the Lord has made. He has risen. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? What are you talking about? Um, so I'm going to talk about this movie. So Sarah, you're talking about called, a movie. It's about this. Is this I seen it? Amateur surgeon who Stop. has this idea. <laughs> what are you talking about, you asshole? Sarah, what are you talking about? My last will and testament. <laughs> so... You were so excited. I am. I am. I'm still excited. I just got totally like thrown off track. Let me get my notes over here. Okay. So last episode, I think I left you with three buzzwords, right? Do you remember what those were? I don't. Okay. I vaguely remember them. I didn't go back. But if, if I'm not mistaken, they are radio talk show or like talk radio. Okay. Write in candidate. And goat testicles, I think. Sure. Somewhere around there. So I'm talking about a man named John R. Brinkley. Okay. Does that ring it any bells? It sounds familiar. How about John Romulus Brinkley? No. All right. I'm assuming that's what the R is for. Yeah, it's his middle name. How about Dr. John Brinkley? A little more familiar. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Well, I'm talking about the man, John R. Brinkley. and uh, A.K.A. A.K.A. John Romulus John Brinkley. Romulus Brinkley. A.K.A. A.K.A. Dr. John, John R. Brinkley. Brinkley. Spoiler alert. He's not, he's not a, a doctor. doctor. Okay. I, okay. I figured. Uh, but like he was working in the early 1900s. So like how many of them really were? So John R. Brinkley is one hell of a character, and we are going to be talking about his life and what he did. I want to say the first sentence on his Wikipedia page reads as follows. John Romulus Brinkley, born July 8th, 1885, was an American quack, period. I'm ready for We're it. We're starting off strong. I'm ready for it. First sentence. A little bit about his history. I would totally fall down that rabbit hole where it's like an American and quack is a link to its own Wikipedia yeah. about quacks. Yes. Yeah, I could yes. easily fall down that rabbit oh, hole. Oh, just wait until I tell you about his life and what he did. I'm so excited. He was born in 1885 in North Carolina. Yeah, he was. To John Richard Brinkley. Okay. A little bit about his pappy, about dad. Dad was married three times. And he was a product of which marriage? For, uh, first, second, or third? Or are you not sure? Not one. Not a marriage. 
Oh. He, dad was married three times and outlived all of his wives. The first time outlived. he was married, outlived. The first time he was married, it ended up being annulled because he was underage. Okay. In the 1800s in North Carolina, he was, he underage. was underage. The woman was not. I don't know how old he was. I can only assume like at 10. I, was, I don't know. Right. I was like I don't under know. 14. I Very guess. Like, young. He had to be young. Fast forward in 1870, he marries a woman, dad, marries a woman named Sarah Mingus. And then later on in their marriage, Sarah's 24-year-old niece came to live with them. Now, her 24-year-old niece was also named Sarah. Sarah. Welcome to my life. So OG Sarah, Sarah Sr., Sarah Mingus, began going by the name of Sally. Don't ask me She's why. She's like, you can have Sarah. I'll be I'll Sally, be Sally. From now on. And little Sarah stayed Sarah. Sarah. Now, little Sarah got big pregnant with Big John's baby. So, which is our little John Romulus. Little John, a second John, not first John. Yes. So, Big John is Daddy John. Daddy John slept with his wife's niece, second Sarah. But his wife goes by Sally now. And second Sarah got pregnant with little John Romulus Brinkley, right? Whoa. This is, yes, it's don't even try to draw out this family tree because you can't. It's, it's a bush. Um, it's a bush. But little Sarah died when baby John Romulus was, was five years old. Oh, was five. Five years old. Okay. So then little John Romulus, his auntie mama, OG Sarah, now known as Sally, took over and started raising him because she was still married to his daddy, Big John. And did she know that her husband was the father of this baby? Yes. Okay. It was the 1800s, girl. She already gave up her name. I mean, so she's raising little John Romulus. Big John dies when little John is 10 years old. And so he was really just solely raised by his auntie mama. Okay. Okay. That's his history. He goes to school until he's 16 years old, and then he goes into the workforce, as you do. And do we know if that relationship was, like, good? Do we know um, anything about it? Or? Not really. Okay. I mean, we know that, like, he got bullied in school, and he always wanted to be a doctor. Like, he always was like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. He goes through school, goes into the workforce. He moves to New York. Then he lives in New Jersey for a little while. But when Auntie Mama Sally was on her deathbed, he came back home to where she was in South Carolina. And while he was there, he met his first wife, Sally Wilk. Okay. I know. I know. So then did she change her name back to Sarah? Did Big Mama... (laughs) Auntie Mama. Did Auntie Mama change her name back to Sarah now that he had a new Sally? She was dead. Oh, that's fair. She died. All right. So she died. Then he marries new Sally. Wife Sally Wilk. Okay. Okay. Now, Sally encouraged John's aspirations to be a doctor. And she she was like, you can do it. And fuck school. Who needs it? Just do it anyway. Doctor, okay. Which back in the early 1900s, sure, sure, sure. everyone did. There was no, there, there was no set 
legislation, no set things that you had to do to become a doctor. Basically, you put a Band-Aid on something and it healed two days later. You're a doctor now. <laughs> you're a doctor. It, if you, I also wrote in my notes, people believed him that he was a doctor because he, all the doctors at the time had the same like goatee. Right? Like, if you look at it like old school I mean, doctor that's goatees. How, you know, that's how they prove they were doctors. They all have the same facial hair. You Am dress for the job you want. Where's my qualification? Uh, look at right me. here. Uh-huh. Look at me. Uh-huh. Look at me. Look at my face. So he he dressed for the job he wanted. He faked it till he made it. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, do it, honey. I support you. She was like, do it. I dare you, you won't. And then he did. And he did. So John and Sally began traveling around the South posing as Quaker doctors. They had a whole medicine show that would feature a warm-up act, such as a fiddler or a dancer. Oh, I know. You're like, I am just beginning. I'm sure. A warm-up act with a fiddler or a dancer, followed by an opener feature. You had me at medicine shows. A warm-up feature, which would be a morality play, which would have someone suffering from some ailment that would then get cured by a magic tonic. And then you would have the the big feature, the headliner, and that would be Dr. John R. Brinkley coming out to the sell you man. that magical tonic that yep. they just showed you in the morality play that would cool, cure each and every All ailment your ails. Yep. that might afflict you at the moment. A.K.A. they were snake oil salesmen. Yep. And John R. Brinkley was a snake oil salesman until the day he died. Do you know where the term snake oil salesman came from? I'm assuming it's from Dr. John R. Brinkley. Nope. No. Mm-mm. No. I didn't know this either. I learned it when I was doing research. You're going to love it. The 1893 Chicago World's Fair, there was a dude who dressed as a cowboy and he would go on stage and he would strangle snakes and collect whatever ooze came out of them and sell it as a magic oil tonic. Oh and he did it God. on stage. He would just strangle snakes, strangle rattlesnakes. It's ah. just snake guts. In a cowboy. It was snake ooze. That's, snake oil. I don't know. I hear what he called it. But it sounds like he just strangled them and what, literally whatever life juices came out of them he bottled it their essence called it snake oil their essence that's where the term i mean came i from. assume it came from some sort of extraction from a snake but i did not assume that ex- extraction was strangling a live snake in front of people and then being like dressed as a cowboy he's dressed as a cowboy when he does what it what was his name i don't know but he wasn't Dr. John R. Brinkley? No, this was in 1893. So John R. Brinkley was less than 10 years old at the time. Okay. So that's where the term came from, though. This guy would go on stage. By the power vested in me, I'm just going to strangle these snakes. And this elixir that comes out of them is a cure-all. It'll cure your everything, oh, your baldness. snakes. I thought it would be even maybe like snake venom. Do you know what I mean? Like they can milk snakes. I'm venom. sure some of it's venom that came out of them. But, oh my God. Those poor snakes. No, oh, there you go. That's horrible. Back to John and Sally. Between their marriage in 1907 until 1912, John and Sally had a very rocky relationship. Because as much as they both aspired for him to be a doctor, they actually didn't like each other very much. 
She left mm-hmm. him multiple times. At one point, he enrolled in college in Chicago, but he couldn't pay. He went into debt. Uh, there was a stint uh, period of time where he kidnapped his daughter and ran away to Canada to try to get out of paying alimony and child support to Sally. Then they got back together. Uh, there was a whole lot of drama and shenanigans. And to be completely honest with you, that's not even the most interesting part of his life story. So I'm glossing right over it. They did not get along. And in 1913, John and Sally finally agreed that they just didn't fucking like each other. And they split without even getting a divorce. Went their separate ways. Also in 1913, John opens his first storefront. I'm sorry. His first doctor's office (laughs) with a one armed partner named James Crawford. Good for him. But as doctors, James Crawford went by the name Dr. Burke and John Brinkley went by the name Blakely. Very original. They opened their business in Greenville, South Carolina, and called it the Greenville Electromedic Doctors. Listen, I just and they placed advertisements to attract men who were concerned about their manly vigor. You can't keep it up. You feel like you're not as strong as you used to be. It's Come down and see us. Pill to sell. At the Greenville Electromedic Doctors and we'll cure what ails you. They injected and what ailed them or what cured what ailed them was they would inject colored water into their patients' butts. And they claimed that it was electric water or electric medicine from Germany, which now, they called Salverson. Was this in their butt like with a syringe or in their butt like an enema? So I couldn't fully figure it out. I think it was like an enema. That's what I'm thinking, too. But part of me, in a weird way, hopes it's just, like, food coloring, like, in water that they just, like, put under the skin and, like, it's done. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that they were like, we got this green liquid here. And I imagine they have, like, in the background of the doctor's office, all of those silly electric gadgets that you would get in the early 90s, like the ball that has the static come out of it. And you put your hand on it and make your your hair hair stand up. up. Like, he had a whole bunch of those. And he was like, look, it's electric water. And he would just. They got one of those. They put in their butt. Things with the four balls where, like, you pull one and they just knock each other back and forth. And he's like. Like, that's electricity. They have one of the birds <laughs> like, that that bends over and bobs into the water and yeah. back and bobs into the water and back. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm imagining. But people bought it and they sold it at $25 a shot. Oh, my God. Which in back then times? was right. $700. In, in that economy? In, ugh, right? But <laughs> this, my entire story, I feel like part of the moral could be, this is what men will do to get their dick to work. Period. I, told, I said that's the easiest pill to sell. And he's selling it, but he's selling it as... Colored water enemas and more get ready. Because they're like, you know, you can't control whether or not you have a baby because that's what God wants. But, but if my dick if falls dick down, gets hard. God be damned. I'm going to get this dick up in defiance of gravity and the Lord. God never wanted that to happen. God would want me to get my dick back up. And so he says in Luke 
chapter seven. <laughs> and on this day, he and his dick have risen. Has risen. Rhythm. Rhythm. They were using the rhythm method. <laughs> so they were charging people $25 a pop, a.k.a. $700 for colored water. Colored butt water. After two months of running this grift, Brinkley and his one-armed partner skipped town, leaving behind a shit ton of debt, unpaid rent, unpaid bills. They were raking in the money and just pocketing it. And they left and they ran down to Memphis, Tennessee. Now, in Memphis, Tennessee, John R. Brinkley met 21-year-old Minerva Jones, also known as Minnie, a friend of Crawford's and the daughter of a local physician. She, too, was down to clown with John becoming a doctor, <laughs> also because she kind of wanted to be one, too. Of course. And on but August... not a real doctor. She would be, like, his kind of doctor. She would she be, like, a crack doctor. Yeah, I mean, I think... <sighs> Deep down inside, I... Th- Almost like Dr. Dunch, I question whether he actually thought that he was doing or that he was was like doing doctor's work. Yeah. Like he really believed that he was doing doctor's work or did he know it was a full grift? I'm not. Anyways, on August 23rd, 1913, after a super long, very intense, very reminiscent of, I don't know, the ultimatum, a four day courtship. Brinkley and Minnie got married. Yeah, they did. Even though he was still technically was married say, to Sally. He never said that he was divorced or his wife died. Nope. They got married. Minnie and John Brinkley honeymooned in Kansas City, Denver, Pocatello, and Knoxville. However, in Knoxville, the cops caught up with John Brinkley and he got arrested. He got arrested for practicing medicine without a license and writing bad checks. Brinkley told the sheriff that all of that was his one-armed partner Crawford's fault and gave investigators enough information that they were able to then track down Crawford and arrest him. Brinkley and Crawford decided to settle out of court with all of the unpaid debts that they had in Greenville, and it ended up being the sum of several thousand dollars, and somehow, I don't know how he did it, but Brinkley managed to have Crawford pay off most of it. And then the amount that Brinkley paid was money that his new father-in-law gave him, which was the sum of around $200, which is $58. $5,800 our time. Because one, it's ableism at its finest. (laughs) And two, how old is the excuse, it wasn't me, it was the one-armed man? Well, honestly, older than what Brinkley was saying. Yeah. And it worked for him. And it worked for him. And this is where John and his one-armed friend finally split. Yeah, good. I would imagine they were no longer friends no. after this situation. He slapped him with his one good arm and he walked good for away. him. I don't think he did, but I hope he did. I hope he did. So Minnie and John Brinkley moved to Arkansas where he tried to obtain an undergraduate license to practice medicine, advertising his specialty as diseases of women and children. Again, it's not a real license that he's getting, but it's the early 1900s, so people didn't really question it. You dress for the job you want. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, he looks like that's his job. Another doctor who was in the area was moving out of state and was giving up his position as the town physician. And frankly said, great, I'll do it. And so while he was working in that doctor's office, he began to turn a modest profit and he was finally able to pay 
the medical university in Chicago that he was working at or that he went to and had a lot of debt from, he was able to pay them all of their debt so that they would release his transcripts so that he then could go to a college here. And he was finally able to go to a different school. In October of 1914, he moved to Kansas City and he enrolled at that city's Eclectic Medical University Mm -hmm. to finish out his last year of the remaining education. Let's keep in mind, though, one thing about this college is that it is a diploma mill. It is a pay-to-play So like he said, as long as he paid the money to the university, they would release his transcripts. As long as he paid the money to the eclectic medical university, he'd get his diploma. He just had to pay the right amount. Yeah. Brinkley graduated in 1915, and his diploma allowed him to practice medicine in eight states. Yeah, it did. So in 1916, John and Minnie moved to bumfuck Milford, Kansas. And he set up shop. The town needed a doctor. And in 1918, John R. Brinkley opens his 16-room clinic. And he won over the town immediately. He was paying good wages to his workers. He was invigorating the local economy. He was making house calls on patients that were suffering with the deadly outbreak of the 1918 flu pandemic, which tiny footnote on that his reaction to the 1918 flu pandemic is the only time you can look back at his timeline and say wow he was actually being a doctor about something yes he actually did a really good job of taking care of people he actually provided the care that they needed he didn't charge them out the wazoo he was paying his nurses a livable wage he was taking care of people during this pandemic which i believe was he like wash your hands and and wear a mask Uh, So even the fucking snake oil salesman didn't fuck around with the pandemic. Anyway, after the pandemic, however, came John's big break. And it came in the form of two large, low-hanging balls. Goat balls, that is. There are two sides to the story on how this happened. Side number one. According to John Brinkley, one day a man came in complaining about being sexually weak, not feeling like a man, a.k.a. Yo, hey, doc, my dick don't work so good. And Brinkley jokingly said to the patient that he would have no problem if he had a pair of those buck glands on you, meaning you'd have no problem keeping your dick up if you had some goat balls. Hold on. And also, according to John, the patient said, man, it's it's a... Too bad I don't have Billy Goat Nuts. Now, John Brinkley had spent a year or so working in an animal plant. And at that time, he had talked about how amazed he was at how goats fucked. And how they just fucked all the time, (laughs) relentlessly. He's like, forget fucking like rabbits. And seemed to be very healthy. at the goat. And he said, out of all the animals that we took care of and that we ultimately slaughtered, the goats were the healthiest. And they fucked the best. (laughs) So they gotta be doing something, right? It's their, their goat nuts. It's their balls. So what if we took those and we gave those to people? And what do you what do you do with them? You you make a man's dick work better. But I mean, like, I'll tell you. 
do you consume them? So or after keep it John like the lucky rabbit's foot? No, no, no. After John suggested that goat balls could possibly make this farmer's pee pee work again, the patient begged John to perform a procedure and said that he would pay John $150 to do so, which basically he's saying, Doc, I want you to take those goat balls and I want you to put them in my balls. I was going to say, I want you to put them in my I, balls. Oh I want God. goat balls so that I can be like a goat so and I want to be healthy. Now, is he replacing the human balls or is it in addition to the human balls? There's a few answers to that question, and I'll get into it in a minute. <laughs> this is just the origin. I hate uh, it. Get ready. This is part one. This is horrible. Well, for some men, it was the best thing that ever happened to them, because their pee-pee don't work so good. But now it do, because the goat. So, that's the first. So, John Brinkley tells the story. I came up with the idea of giving men goat testicles, because I had a patient who came in and said, please, John Brinkley, you're my only hope. Give me some goat balls. I'll pay you $150 now, to do so. was it that patient's idea for the goat balls or it was the doctor's idea? According to the doctor, it was the patient's idea. Okay. Years later, the patient's son came forward and said, um, no, John Brinkley approached us and said, I'll give you money if you'll let me put goat balls in you. Um, <laughs> what? John was like, I want to try putting goat balls in dudes to see if it makes their dick better. Let me try putting them in you. Come on, please. Come let me on, do it. Please. I'll pay you for it. Oh, what? <laughs> and so begins John Romulus Brinkley's number one claim to fame. Well, at least his first claim to fame. The goat gland transplant doctor. Because at the time, they didn't call them balls. They called them glands. glands. Your glands. He began to I perform. Mean, I guess that's what they are. He began to perform these operations that he claimed would restore male virility and fertility through implanting the testicular glands of goats in his male patients at the meager cost of $750 an operation. Oh, my God. Which was $10,000 today. $10,000. And for, and for four easy payments... Of whatever that math is, you too could have your very own set of goat glands. The procedure. You asked about how it was done. Let's remember, Dr. Not Dr. John R. Brinkley was not a real doctor. I told you that's what's so scary about the other human centipede movie. So he had many different ways of doing this procedure. I hate Depending it. upon how he was feeling. Um, also, he was a drunk. Duh. So depending upon how he was feeling and how much alcohol he had consumed. Number one, the first way, first way he did it. You just slice that testy right open and you just well, shove. It's the scrotum that you're slicing open or is it the actual testicle? You know what? I think he's, he's. That's why I was like, is it inside the So I'm pretty sure the it's the testicle. With the other testicles or is it removing the human testicles and replacing them it's with the not replacing it's always it's no it's no subtraction it's always, it's always, it's always addition addition too. it's always addition um the way he would describe the first procedure was that he would call it just putting a marble in an apple like you're just shoving a marble in an apple so i think he was just slicing and whatever he sliced into he shoved just the goat, shoved a goat ball, ball in into there. there yeah uh number two 
he would mise en place. Isn't that when you prep the food? So he would slice the goat ball first into slices, and then he would put the slices in with with the male balls. And then number three, if he was feeling lazy, he would just grind up the balls, goat balls and put them in a syringe and just like inject just them. inject it into the balls. No matter what, what ended up happening was the patient's body would ultimately absorb the balls in whatever form they were in. But because he wasn't a real doctor and he wasn't taking any precautions... There was infection. There was so a was lot of assuming. bad things. That's the part that I was like, the part where they're not a real doctor. But. One, they don't know what they're doing. And two, they're not clean. It's the combo of the two. So it's so terrible. Yes. So he's doing this and people love it. And he just has all these. I said that they um, love it. They love it before they get it done and their dick gets infected. So. Back to the procedure. We'll get into all that. He had his three methods of doing it. I'm sure there were other ones, too. He had a lot of different methods of how he did it because he, ultimately he's an artist. But he's not a doctor. He's, he's an, an artist. artist. His first patient came out and said that it worked. And not too long after his first patient had the procedure done, Died. his wife got pregnant. Was it a goat? <laughs> and they named the baby boy Billy, Billy. in honor of Dr. John R. Brinkley and, and the, the goat, the goat balls sa- that helped, balls were sacrificed, helped give them their son. Balls work. So <laughs> jackpot. Brinkley began promoting goat glands as the cure for everything. 27 ailments ranging from dementia to emphysema to excessive farting. We'll cure your flatulence. You just need some goat balls. Now, for all of these things, was the cure putting the goat balls in your balls? Yes. (laughs) It wasn't like... The one thing I read was that he was offering for a cheaper price if you wanted to like mail in, you could get a syringe of goat balls that you could inject in yourself, whether it be an enema of goat balls or I think it be a like inject them in. You didn't have like goat balls pills? No, no, because then they won't pay as much money. Now, he gets into the pill game a little bit later, but right now we have people coming in. It's all about the the glands. It is all about the glands. You need new glands, and guess what? I got them. Okay? It'll cure everything. He started a direct mail blitz, so he started sending out advertisements, and he hired an advertising agent who helped Brinkley portray his treatments as turning hapless men into, and I quote, the ram that am with every lamb. Other slogans included, all energy is sex energy, as well as, a man is only as old as his glands. Catchy. It's catchy. And not only... Everything about it. But listen, Stephanie, not only was he performing this procedure on men who wanted more virality, but Dr. John R. Brinkley was an equal opportunity goat ball implanter. And he performed this procedure... On women, too. <laughs> yes. I'm just even more confused 
Yes. He claimed that implanting goat balls and or goat ovaries into your ovaries could cure whatever ailed you, including regrowing your uterus after a hysterectomy. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's what he claimed. It was the early 1900s. Most women were like, what's a uterus? more invasive than the goat balls in the scrotum. He also claimed that getting goat ovaries or goat balls in your ovaries would make your boobs bigger. See, I was hoping you, I don't know why I was hope. I wasn't hoping for any of this, but I was thinking it was going to be that the goat balls went in, <laughs> in their to butt. The labia. No. Like they like, <laughs> like slid a slice of goat ball in there. That's worse. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know because that's like an external thing. I don't know. That to me is, no matter what, it's horrible. No matter what, it's horrible. To be honest, I don't know how the procedures with the women necessarily happened. I will tell you, he didn't do many of them. But you did have these women coming to him and being like, I want you made my testicles. husband's dick work and I want a wetter pussy. So give me them goat balls because <laughs> they helped for my husband. And I don't see why I can't get them, too. And he was like, sure. OK, lady. But in true capitalist fashion, he was like, if I can sell them to men, I should be able to sell them to women, I too. Mean, that's how they did razors. That's why American yes. women shave. Yes. It's all because Gillette was like, we are missing half of our marketing capital by only selling to men. Well, who do you think did it first? John R. Brinkley. Let's convince women that they also need our product. Now, again, he that didn't, was him, but with goat balls. He didn't do a ton of them. And by the 1920s, he had basically stopped doing them completely, mainly because but Gillette understood. But Gillette was like, they they took on they they took that torch. We see you, John Brinkley. We see you. Mainly because women weren't as easily fooled as men. So women would get this procedure and then be like, mm. I feel like it's like the emperor's new clothes. Like all the men are like, yeah, yeah, my dick works better. And, and the woman was like. I paid no, you I actually don't have a seven hundred and fifty American dollars, and my pussy is as dry as the Sahara Desert. I paid for a wop, and this is a flop. So I really <laughs> need you to get on that. And absolutely, it's like the emperor's clothes because it as was the placebo as, effect. As with soon men. as somebody started to say it didn't work for them, everybody else was like, "Yeah, it didn't work for me either." I just I felt bad that I got swindled. So part of his advertisement was he told people that the implants and the goat balls didn't work on you if you were stupid. <laughs> so if you were of dumb, course. it's not going to work on you. So of course every he man totally is like, "I got it." You clothed them. And it's not only that, but let's be honest, for men, it, it is a mental thing that can be attached to the physical. And so I assume for some of these men, it was a placebo effect. Oh, I got this procedure done that tells me Look that my dick, my dick is going to work now. And then now the dick works because his head, whatever block was there, sure. the placebo helped with. So he's like, of course, my dick works. My dick works. That's Doesn't your dick works. work? Didn't you get it? Doesn't your dick work? And of course, if you're the one friend in the group that got the procedure and paid the $750 and now your dick doesn't work, you're not going to tell your friends that your dick doesn't work you're gonna be like my dick works it was more like they were so ashamed that they yes that they did it that they were like yeah yeah my dick works now it worked for me because they were also told if it doesn't work for you it's because you're dumb dumb yes yes and men 
were into it. People would line up around the corner from his clinic to get this procedure done. And yes, people also died. Yeah. A lot of them. A lot of them. I'm sure. Yes. But this was before the internet. So word didn't get around about all the people dying. Word only got around. Word he didn't. He stayed in Milford, Kansas. He had his clinic in Kansas, but he was advertising. I was gonna say, but people came to him. People came to him. Word got around. You know? He's like, I'm in the middle of the country. Come and get it. Come here. Come to me. And then word didn't get around about the deaths. And the other thing is, is people weren't necessarily dying on his table. They were going home and then getting an infection. Yes. Even though there wasn't the internet, word of Brinkley's amazing cure-all procedure was again getting around, and it was now gaining the attention of the AMA, which is the American Medical Association, who finally was like, I guess we'll do our jobs. To investigate what Brinkley was doing, they sent an agent to the clinic undercover. The agent went to the clinic and found a woman hobbling around who had been given goat ovaries as a cure for her spinal cord tumor. God, uh, they didn't do anything, though, other than being like, we're going to watch this guy. So now he's on the AMA's radar and they're like, we got to watch him and we've got to find like something to pin on him. And but you we know don't how have slow they yet. work. Right. Exactly. Like they're like, all right, we've seen this one case where he fucked up. Let's see we're if he fucks keep... up five more times. I've got my eye on you. But this also included catching the eye of a doctor who would ultimately become John R. Brinkley's number one enemy, and his name is Morris Fishbean, a man who made his career exposing medical frauds. I love it. So Morris is about to be on his tail. Good for him. In 1922, John R. Brinkley was invited out to L.A. by the owner of the L.A. Times, Harry Chandler. Harry Chandler challenged Brinkley to transplant goat testicles into one of his editors, If the operation was a success, he would make Brinkley the most famous surgeon in America. And if not, then Brinkley should consider himself damned. At the time, California didn't recognize Brinkley's license. It wasn't one of the eight states. And so Harry Chandler just pulled some strings and got him a 30-day medical permit to practice medicine in California He's no like, big deal. Come show your bullshit over here. I'm gonna get you this fake ass license because you're. I a want you fake to come over. I want you to, and I want you to show me how you fucking do this. Can you imagine the editor that got stuck with having to have the goat balls put in him? Because it wasn't Harry Chandler. He was like, "Come and do it to one of my editors." I imagine the editors all lined up and they're all like shaking. Right. Like, like I don't it want a matter of like who drew the short straw. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody was like, you know, this might work for me. I. I've tried everything. Let me be the let me get the goat balls. Let me see if it works. Or was it someone who already was on like thin ice and he was like, you know what, Watson? You've been on goat balls are your job. Yes. Who knows? Either way, Brinkley came down and he did the operation. And according to the L.A. Times, the operation was judged a success And Brinkley received his promised attention in the L.A. Times where they said that he was great. Goat balls a success. Which, of course, I mean, it was like one big survived. They're like, oh, it's the next day. He survived getting the goat balls in. I mean, you don't always die. Sometimes your body just absorbs it. And you're like, that was weird. And you keep going on with your life. Not everyone died. But 
I know, a but, handful. Then, but that's my thing. I'm like, how long did they wait before they were like, yes, it's a success. His dick is working again or like whatever. I don't know. Or is it just like he survived the surgery? The dick goat <laughs> gland. I would assume maybe like 48 hours. Right. That's like, not long enough hard? to know. I mean, according I to them, it was a success. Sent many new customers Brinkley's way, including some Hollywood film stars who remained unnamed. So who knows who got gold balls? Who knows? John Wayne. Brinkley was so taken with L.A., no, taken with the city. Yeah. Taken with the city and all the money it Buster represented Keaton. in the form of potential patients. That's very likely. That he began making plans to relocate his clinic to L.A., but his hopes were dashed when the California Medical Board said, we don't want that shenanigan here. Yo. Do not bring that here. They so said like, we that, gave you 30 days to do your your, your business and we're fucking and over we don't it. like your business. Uh, his application for a permanent license to practice medicine was denied, denied yep. because they found his resume riddled with lies and discrepancies, <laughs> most of which were pointed out and put to their attention they, like, by when red ink by Morris, of Morris Fishbean. He's like, that's a fucking lie. That's a fucking lie. Uh, when told that he had to leave and he couldn't practice out in California, Brinkley apparently responded with, I don't even want to work in this state anyway. <laughs> He's like, fuck you, you ugly. I don't even like I don't you even anyway. like you anyway. You're so dumb, stupid. He's like, yeah, you know why you don't like my goat testicle? Well, I even like you. you're dumb and dumb people say it doesn't work for them. Screw your ocean and your temperate climate. Fuck you. So... He went back to Kansas, but he had a new hobby in mind because you can't keep a white man down. And he knew the next best way to increase his business and brand. And he did something that we still see entitled white men do to this very day when they don't get everything they want. He picked up a microphone. And in 1923... He built his first radio transmitter at one kilowatt, and he created his radio station, KFKB. Kansas first, Kansas best. I hate it. And that's where we're going to leave off the end of part one. Next time we come back to hear about John R. Brinkley, he's going to have not one, but two radio station endeavors. And we're going to learn about his journey into politics. What a wild ride this is. And that's is. coming up on part two of the John R. Brinkley, the goat gland doctor. Do you like it? I, like, I don't know if like is the word I would use. <laughs> it's wild. This is wild. Yep. All right, y'all. Tune in next, for next week. week to learn more about Dr. John, John R. R. Brinkley and his future in the radio business. Oh, yeah. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Thank there are you. so many, so many ways that you can continue to do so, including we have merch on our website, deadtime stories with a Z.com. We have our Patreon where you can subscribe and give to us monthly, which is super, super helpful. We love, love, love that. You can subscribe to us on Instagram. We're very chatty on there. Mm-hmm. And you can even hit up our personals. They're linked right in our bio. You can email us at deadtime stories with a Z at gmail.com. And then, of course, the best free way that you can support us is by leaving us a five-star review in the Apple Podcast Store or anywhere where you listen to our podcast. And that's it. That's it. Thank you. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been 
Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 